won't sing the whole song because I'm terrible. Happy but. New Year's Eve, everyone. <laughs> to start your year off right, we're covering a very cheerful movie. So cheerful. Um, the name is Joyful. That's the name of the movie. Just kidding. It's the opposite. It's, it's misery. misery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, what what is everyone been saying? We're going into season four of COVID. Um, I'm not I, ready, you know? I feel pretty miserable myself, yeah. <laughs> everyone has it or maybe doesn't have it or who knows. We've got another At variant this point, coming up. Either one of us could easily have it because of the germ warfare perpetrated against us by people in our circles. Right. Plus, yeah, the people that come into my job, the the youngins who at the club, I'm sure some of them. Season you know? four of COVID. Can you believe it? Here we are again. Wild. Wild times. Um, but, you know, Kathy Bates is doing okay, so I'm doing okay. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, she almost had it all, didn't she? Um, I don't, like, I don't understand the way that they portrayed Kathy Bates, who is, like, an attractive woman who is maybe a size 12. And they gave her a yeah, bad haircut. Like, a haircut this? that I might actually have right now. But... I don't think it's a bad haircut. I just don't think the bobby pin action is, like, perfect. For her. Right. But of course the bobby pins, you know, major plot device, so we had to have them. <laughs> had to have it. She was forty two at the time of filming. Forty two in nineteen ninety. She looks great. She I thought looks maybe she was great. like thirty. Her skin yeah. is impeccable. Wow. They like made Wowie. her have like one streak of gray, which I have now and I'm thirty. So yeah, I was what are you like, do? Oh, that hag. <laughs> <laughs> so <What>? we're <laughs> We're the Spooky Succubus cast, an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, intersectional feminist podcast about horror movies. We accidentally are doing two Stephen King adaptations this year, but they couldn't be more different, you know, except for a narcissistic white male protagonist, I guess. Ugh, yeah. I would say, like, especially what I've learned about James Caan is that he's not our protagonist. I'm kind of on Annie's side. I don't know. I mean, I don't understand why she's so obsessed with this douchebag, but, like, she's got her problems. Yeah, and, you know, murdering babies is very relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. Uh, Just kidding. We don't condone murder on this Anyway, uh, I'm Rebecca the baby murderer. This is Abby here with me. I'm Abby. <laughs> Just they don't know what they don't know which one of us is which anyway. Only um, they only know when I'm like, "Hey, I'm Abby," and I forget to upload the other half of the audio, and it's just me like breathing into the mic. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> here yeah. we go. Uh, I, wonder... I think Buster and Virginia are the. Most fun to watch. Fucking goals, man. I, yeah, I hope to Justice be Justice for day. Buster, honestly. Except for man. he's a cop and a cab. But, like, he is he what everyone is like, assumes that cops are, but they are not that He's on par with uh, Reese from Urban Legend. Like, when I say a cab, I don't mean Buster Reese? or Reese. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Virginia is played by Frances Sternhagen, who's, like, she's, yeah, character actor. She's great. She's great in everything, good, literally. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this movie, I'd never seen it before. I, of course, knew of the famous hobbling scene, and I was too scared to watch it because of 
that scene and it was bad. Yeah. The end. I, I it's like bad. It. It's very visceral. I've seen this movie a hundred million times. Uh, we always, everyone in my, it was like we had it on VHS and we watched it all the time. Nice. Um, we all used to quote it and say caca do caca doodle all the time. Caca duty. It was uh yeah, it's great. Yeah, we used to my mom used to just yell, He didn't get out of the caca duty car all the time. Um so Oh man. What the hell was her like other like her other super famous line when she's standing over him? It, which which of the twenty times? Which that of she's the twenty times? Him. I don't know. It'll come to me possibly. All right. Should we get uh, into this trash fire? Yeah. Okay. Now it is my turn to read the plot. Correct? Also, is it? I wrote it down. Yes, you wrote. It is your turn, as indicated on the spreadsheet. Uh, so the funniest thing about this movie, directed by Rob Reiner, who I've never thought of as like a thin man. I'm like, aren't you? Was he thin like, at one point? Aren't you kind of like a big guy? Why you hate big fat people so much? Why do you hate fat people? Yeah. Um, Rob Reiner and William Goldman, uh, who also tag teamed for The Princess Bride. This is a different kind of animal here. <laughs> uh, I love The Princess Bride. I love this movie. I kind of love Rob Reiner. I know they've all got their problems, but. Um, uh, can I admit I blame Stephen to you? King for the fat phobia. What? Yeah. You don't he, like The Princess Bride? No, no, it's not nothing like that. Yeah, didn't he do that? write that book thinner where a fat guy gets like cursed by a gypsy or whatever and then he gets really skinny and like dies or something oh god i the only stephen king book i've ever read is the shining and i didn't like it so yeah thinner by stephen king this is bad uh no the thing i was gonna admit to you is that i was um searching through information about rob reiner and I found out that he was married to Penny Marshall, and then I was like, what? I thought Penny Marshall was married to Gary Marshall. So today I learned Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall, siblings. Our brother and sister. Not married. I learned this today. I thought they were married to each other. Wait, maybe I did also have the same, because when we were talking Hocus Pocus... Yeah, they play they both, a married right, couple. Yeah, married that couple. Maybe why, that's why you thought that. Probably, because it's like the first time I ever saw either one of them. Like, that's like my first cultural touchstone for them. Thinking about that, that's gross and weird. Yeah, I think Stephen that. King hates fat people. So. Dirty birdie. Is that what you're talking about? What she says? She calls yeah, them a dirty birdie. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> language. <laughs> the profanity, Paul. The profanity, yeah. Paul. Okay, let's do it. All right. Sorry, I had to readjust. So we open on James Kahn as Paul Sheldon, typing with a cigarette and a uh, bottle of champagne waiting for him. He finishes his untitled novel, smokes and drinks with a bit of sadness. He drives from the Snowy Lodge as the credits, the opening credits roll. The road condition, conditions are bad and he veers off a cliff as the car rolls landing upside down. Flashback to Paul in his agent's office in New York. Um, Agent Marsha Sindel, played by Lauren Bacall, who's great as always. Um, He's complaining about writing the mystery series that made him famous and rich, um, but he doesn't consider it real work. He wants to do something else. In the crashed car, someone with a crowbar rescues him um, and his freshly written novel from the wreckage. Paul comes to in a bed with Kathy Bates as Anne Wilk- Annie Wilkes, 
hovering over him. She says she will take good care of him, and she's a nurse. He has an IV, and she gives him two orange pills, and he quickly knocks out. She tells him that she couldn't make it. He, she couldn't make it to the hospital in the blizzard, and all the phone lines are down. Sus. His legs are super sus. His legs are badly fractured, and uh, she made him homemade tourniquets. The, the uh, legs, the like sci-fi work in this is incredible. Those legs good. are disturbing. Except for one moment when he's on the floor and you can see like his toes from uh, like the shot like on the floor. You can see it like pan over his toes, you know, from beneath and they look really funny. Like they look like they're made they're of like, clay. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like Muppets. Uh, Muppets legs. Marsha, the agent, calls the sheriff of Silver Creek Buster. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, <laughs> ask about Paul Sheldon's whereabouts. Paul was up there for six weeks um, and he checked out earlier in the week and no one has heard from him. Buster promised to keep, promises to keep an eye out and his wife and deputy Virginia, uh, she tells him that the blizzard was last Tuesday and Buster seems perturbed. He Annie did seem Paul. perturbed, yes. I was like, you know, your beautiful mind is working, Buster. His little gears are turning. <laughs> yeah. Annie shaves Paul and tells him just... Oh. What? Oh, tells him that uh, she just happened upon the crash, and it was lucky for both of them. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. He asks if the lines are up because he needs to call his agent, but she claims the roads are still closed and the lines are still down. She asks if uh, she can read his freshly written book that he had with him um, because she's his number one fan and knows all the misery books by heart. He agrees to let her read it and is feeling self-conscious because he hasn't written anything but misery in so long and this is something new. Buster goes to Silver Creek Lodge um, asking the owner if anything was out of the ordinary with Paul when he came but everything was just as it always is. He got a cigarette and a bottle of Don Perignon and left in his You mean Don Perignon? Paragon? Don Perignon. Don Penguin. Um, Don Ceramic Penguin. (laughs) uh, She spoon feeds Paul as they discuss his writing. Uh, She's only 40 pages in, but has a problem with all the profanity in the book. She starts to get upset and spills the soup. She quickly apologizes, uh, but Paul is freaked the fuck out. Yeah, she like I mean, had a total switch. For frankly, Paul's face in this movie, I'm like relatable. I'd like, probably make that. Yeah. Uh, Buster and Virginia drive down the route uh, from the lodge, and he stops the car and spots a broken limb. He goes down the embankment, but nothing looks amiss. Further down. The camera sees the tire of the car in the snow, but he can't go any farther because it's too deep and he misses it. He's like, my little and, feet won't take me any further. I love, I just, like, we can talk about this later, but I really love the dynamic between Buster and Virginia. Like, she's super, they're old. They're, like, 70s They're old, they're sassy, they're horny. horny. <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. It's just, like, you never get to see an older woman, like, say anything sexual without it being a joke. And it doesn't seem like a joke. It just seems like a, maybe, like, a little lightness, a little levity to the movie. But, like, he's not, like, ew, gross. We never have sex. What are you talking It's, like, I'm tired, woman. Like, I can only fuck you so many times in a day. Yeah, but. like, take it down, Virginia. She cannot. Uh, Annie went into town to pick up the new misery book. She claimed she called the hospital, um, 
And they said that if he didn't have an infection, he should be fine with her. And since the road to the hospital is still down, he's going to stick around for a bit. She says um, her phone is still down, but she tried to call his agent in town but didn't get an answer. She then just gushes over the misery books um, kind of pretty creepily. Uh, this isn't means nothing to the plot, but does mean something to the fat phobia is that Annie brings in her sow who she named misery to meet Paul. And like the oinking that she does is like, <laughs> it's like Pig supposed to be scary sweet. and creepy and gross, but I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah, I do that. It's like me meowing at the cat or like barking at the dog. I do that all the time. And cows are, or, I mean, pigs are adorable. Uh, later she tells him that after her husband left her, she worked a lot, um, to get over it and misery helped her get through it. Uh, and since then, she's just been reading them over and over again. That night, after finishing the book uh, that he just, that the new Misery book that was published, she comes into Paul's room upset that Misery died at the end. The character dies in childbirth, and Annie says he killed her. She rattles the bed and breaks a stand on the wall over his, his head. She calls him a dirty birdie and says that no one is coming for him because she never called anyone. If she dies, he dies. She drives away. He tries to get out of the bed, but his legs look very bad. Uh, they're like purple. It's he calls gross. to the door, yeah. but it's locked. Bum, bum, bum. Marsha Sindel calls Buster again, and he tells her that he informed the FBI, and they are doing all that they can. The credit card company says there hasn't been any charges on Paul's card since he left the lodge. The next morning, Annie gets Paul into bed, back into bed. Um, she says that God told her she must show him the way. She wheels in a grill with his new book on it and pours lighter fluid over it um, and wants him to light the match so he can rid the world of it. He lies, saying there are copies at his agent's office, but he once told Merv Griffin that he only ever writes one copy of the book, so she knows he's lying. After he pours the lighter, she pours the lighter fluid on the blanket and threats, threatens him. He lights the match and burns the book. Uh, she gives him pills, but he hides them under his bed instead of taking them. And then later on with his dinner fork, he cuts a slit in the mattress and sticks the pills inside. As if <sighs> Annie doesn't change the sheets, but okay. Yeah, man, you can't get up. You're pissing in a, in a pot. Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, for burning his book, she gives him with an electric shaver and a studio setup. She sets up a table, a typewriter and tells him that he's going to write a new misery novel dedicated to her. After telling her that the paper she bought smudges and he would like a different kind, she freaks out again. He doesn't appreciate that she feeds him, bathes him, dresses him, and she's doing everything that she can to make him happy. He spots a bobby pin on the floor, and when she drives away, he breaks out of the room. The front door is locked, and the phone isn't real. It's a it out shell of a phone. On his tour of the house, so he knocks weird. over a glass. So weird. Uh, he knocks over a glass penguin, catches it before it breaks, but puts it down in the wrong direction. Like, just take a second to look at the orientation of all the other little glass figures on the table and point it in that it's direction. It's very clear. Paul. Yeah, which way it goes. Even if you didn't see where it was before, just use your basic logic, Paul. Um, he sees a shrine to himself and the misery books and steals a pack of pills that she gives him from the pantry. He gets out of the wheelchair so he can get to the door in the, ki- in the kitchen, but it's also locked because Dodoy. 
He hears the car approaching and scrambles back into the chair, trying to cover his tracks as he goes. He gets back into the room just in time and relocks the door. When she returns and sees him all sweaty, he begs for his pills and she puts him to bed. In an FBI helicopter, Buster spots Paul's missing car in the half-buried snow, like half-buried in snow. In front of the press, the FBI speculates that Paul is probably dead. They know that he crawled away from the accident and think he died of exposure in the cold and that animals might get them, but they won't know until the snow, fall- snow thaws. Buster sees the dents from the crowbar that are very visible in the in the car door uh, and disagrees with the FBI and thinks someone pulled him yeah, from the, the vehicle. Yeah, the FBI didn't exactly stick the landing on that one. Like, yeah. My work here is done. <laughs> yeah. I found a, uh, someone else found a car for me, so I'm just going to make up the rest. Uh, Paul opens all of his saved pills and empties them into a like piece of notebook paper that Annie gave him and hides it. Annie rejects his first few pages and tells him to start over. She tells a story of watching a cliffhanger um, where the main character was in a car that went over the cliff. The next week, it showed the character jumping from the car just before it went over the cliff, and she felt cheated. He didn't get out of the cock duty car. He didn't get out um, of the cock duty car. Okay. Uh, she says that he... Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Uh, she says he can't rewrite the ending of the last book. Misery was buried in the ground at the end, so he'll have to start there. Then his next new chapter chapter has Misery being accidentally buried alive and has discovered she was born of nobility. Annie is ecstatic and wants to put on Liberace records, so the house will be filled with romance. I was kind of feeling the Liberace, to be honest with you. Yeah, who doesn't like Liberace? Um, at Paul's request, Annie made a special dinner, and they sit together at the table. He put the he puts the powder in her wine, but in her excitement, she knocks it over. <gasps> While... <gasps> While writing his novel over several days and weeks, Paul starts to feel better and is lifting the typewriter to build his strength back. One night, Annie comes in feeling and looking depressed um, over the rain. She admits she's in love with him and knows he doesn't love her back. She's not the Hollywood type. Um, she says that the book is almost finished and he's healing, so he'll be gone soon. She tries to, He tries to reassure her, but she doesn't buy it and shows him a handgun that she says she thinks about using sometimes. Buster is reading the Misery novels to try to help figure out what happened to Paul because he is good at his job. Yay, Buster. Yeah. Uh, Paul escapes his room and brings a knife back from the kitchen. He finds a memory book filled with newspaper clippings, one of Carl Wilkes, who died in a car crash, one of Annie heading up a maternity nursing unit, a few about dead babies in her unit, and then some about her trial um, an acquittal for deaths of infants in her ward. And then also the article about him going missing. Uh, Paul falls asleep and wakes suddenly to find Annie standing over him, injecting him with something that knocks him out immediately. Um, when he wakes in the morning, she ties him to the bed and has found his knife because he's, where are you going to hide it? She changes, yeah, she the, changes sheets, the sheets, and it's not a little pack of pills. To confirm, yeah. You didn't even put it under the box spring. You put it under the mattress. So I don't know how to help you, buddy. Big, big dumb dummy. Big um, mistake. Huge. So, yeah, she knows about the penguin and the knife and has found his bobby pin key. After telling a story, oh, God, a racist story about miners being tortured for stealing diamonds, she Yikes. hobbles yeah. his legs. Um, by sticking a two by four between his ankles and smashing the outside of both. 
um, with a metal mallet so he can't run away. I After did he, not enjoy it. I don't know about you. It was, oh, God, like, you see his, his like, like, foot flap yeah. back. Whew. It's so visceral, yeah. That's, like, literally uh, all I knew because, you know, they would run those, like, scariest horror moments or whatever on like VH1 or whatever and I remember mm-hmm. hearing about interview when she throws up in the bowl and makes him eat it this movie when he ho- she hobbles him and like a couple of other like really scary horror mo- moments that like for some reason that like imprinted on my brain and some of those things I still haven't seen interview I've heard it's like deeply upsetting it's like, yeah, this is like hobbling was like, it was like a huge, this movie was huge. And that was like, I think. The every, moment. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. if you've never seen it before, it's like a, vi- you gasp, like watching it's and scary. It like it's my eyes. I was so scared. <laughs> um, and Kathy Bates does a great job of like being like childish and menacing and She's innocent. Terrifying. And yeah. it, she, her portrait, she deserves fucking 12 Oscars. She does a great job. And this is just more proof that female actors don't get any fucking recognition ever for anything. Like, this is a great performance. They're like, Kathy Bates, you should just be happy that we even let you be an actress because you are 180 pounds or whatever. You fat You are a size 12. You Yeah, fat pig. You shouldn't even be in movies. Um, But we're letting you be in movies. God... Uh, after witnessing Annie get into some road rage, which is like, I've been there. I love yelling at people. Yeah, um, and I mean, when you've got an insult like cock a on deck, like, how do you not use it, right? Right? Um, I'm, I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> Buster goes in, uh, she, he saw this unfold, and he's like, hmm, that was weird. So he goes into the archives and finds the articles about Annie's past. She quoted Misery... What? So it was pretty easy to track down right. that information. Also, oh, there's one like, weird person in town. When they, yeah, when they pass over the Wilkes Farm originally, they're like, nothing strange about the Wilkes Farm. Everything that goes on there has to be perfectly normal. She's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's like, oh, the, she's the weirdo in town. I got to go look for her. Um. And when she was being her at her acquittal, she quoted Misery, um, and Buster recognizes the quote because he highlighted it in his novel. Uh, he goes to the general store and asks if Annie bought, um, asks the owner if Annie bought any of the new Sheldon books um, or anything weird lately. The owner tells him that she always asks him to set aside the first copy, and she's been buying a lot of typing paper, but that's all. Buster assures him that nothing is weird about that, but hurries from the store. Annie storms into the room and tries to inject Paul. He fights, but she gets him and puts him in the basement as the sheriff approaches. She answers the door for the sheriff and gets all fanatical. She finally lets him in and he looks around. They discuss the crash and she tells him how she prayed and hoped for it to be true, not to be true. She tells him that God told her that she would be Paul's replacement. So she went into town and bought a typewriter and paper to write a new misery book. She shows him her writing studio, that's Paul's room, and offers his, him some cocoa. He shakes her off and goes upstairs to what look around. What do you think was in the he, cocoa, I'm afraid, for her? Definitely something to murder him, for sure. Um, he So he decides to head out when he doesn't find anything suspicious. As he's stepping off the porch, he hears a commotion inside, and Paul calls to him from the basement. 
She shoots him in the back just as he opens the basement door. She tells Paul they are meant to be together forever, and she's put two bullets in her gun, one for each of them. Paul pretends that he loves her, too, and convinces her that he must finish the book first. She relents in a daze. He finishes writing and asks her for his necessary cigarette and champagne. Uh, he gets her to get two glasses, and while she's gone, pours lighter fluid on the book, lighting it on, uh, and when she returns, lights it on fire. When Andy bends down to put out the fire... He hits her over the head with a typewriter. They fight, and she shoots him once in the shoulder. He launches at her, causing her second shot to miss. He gets on top of her and shoves the burned pages in her mouth, pointed. Uh, He gets up and runs for the gun, but he trips her, causing her to hit her head on the typewriter. He crawls out of the room, but Annie um, manages to get on top of him. He pulls out a pig's door stopper. I'm pretty sure it's a door stopper. It's it's a door stop. Yeah, it's probably made of iron. Um, I have a similar one that is a Scotty dog, actually. I love it. Um, And he punches her in the head and then kills her with it. Yep, she dies via pig. Yep, 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 yep. yep, Dies by pig. Um, Love it. 18 months later, aided by Kane, Paul sits down to lunch with Marsha. She looks, she says the book will be a critical hit. Um, it's his like original non-misery novel that Annie originally destroyed. He says Annie actually helped him in the in a weird way. Marsha asks he asks if he would ever be interested in a non-fiction book about the experience. Paul hallucinates that uh, Annie's in the restaurant and says that it was the worst horror of his life and he'll never get over it. The waitress he thought was Annie at first is not and comes up to him and says she's his number one fan. He thanks her politely. The end. Fade to black. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really understand why you love this movie, but I'm happy to talk talk it through. <laughs> I don't understand it either. I mean, I just think, like, I think it's a good villain. I think uh, I appreciate when a woman gets to be something other than a victim. Uh, too bad she dies at the end. I kind of wish Paul died. I actually, uh, like... Ideally, I want them to like be together. Both die. Like, yeah. Because I feel like I don't know. Like Paul is so douchey. I don't know, like he's so douchey, and like I feel like you're supposed to sympathize with him, but I kind of just want him to die. And I feel like they play. They trot out like his daughter, like. Yeah. For my daughter's birthday, and I'm like, why do I still feel like you're a dick? Show your work, and maybe I won't want Annie to set you on fire. But you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. He like thinks that these romance novels that are consumed by a majority female audience are like are shitty and not, not real, real writing. Yeah. He's better than that. Um, yeah. He. I don't know. Just like the women in his life are either like menacing, like Annie, or like a pretty throwaway, nothing. Like he doesn't listen to his agent. He doesn't like feel the need to, I don't know, to follow her advice. Like misery made him famous, made him rich. And she's like, yeah, you could just keep doing this forever. You're not that great. Calm down. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel guess like it the- also does have the touch of that like sort of Rob Reiner <laughs> magic though where I mean he's made movies with good female characters like I think 
I think Annie's besides the fat phobia. I, I think I don't even understand the fat phobia. It's not necessary. She's like not, I don't. I don't. Not fat. Like doesn't make her all, scarier. If she was it fat, her, it wouldn't make her intimidating or scarier, like a weirder, scarier victim or a villain than she already is. It's just like very pointed fat phobia and just like mm-hmm. misogynism. Misogynism is easy. Misogyny. Uh, but I think if that if we left that out, it would be she'd be a great character, like a really interesting dynamic villain. And I think Lauren Bacall injects something into a character that would otherwise be pretty boring. I guess. Uh, I mean, but. it's a little like I don't know. I feel like Lauren Bacall is the sort of like starlet of note, like this very you know, incredible movie star, lauded as a great beauty. So sort of putting her in opposition, her character in opposition to Annie's character is definitely a move. Um, she's the boss bitch, yeah. Yeah. And Annie's the, like, monstrous feminine. She's frumpy. Feminine. She wears flannel, aforementioned bobby pins. Uh, I feel like, yeah, they were kind of, like, archetyping what a powerful woman should be like and what happens when, you know, women get power in the wrong way or, like... The anti archetype of like the perfect don't do it in a in a male way. If you're the only way you're allowed to have power is to strive for male roles, Annie, right? But Annie's taking that... power in a feminine way. Her f- her power over him is is feminine. like she's flexing her femininity. I feel personally that Annie is actually still a little underdeveloped because her obsession with the misery books and with Paul are mm-hmm. trackable. I guess, and makes sense, but it's so, like, she's obviously such a complex character. Like, Kathy Bates, I think, played the character more complex than I'm guessing it was written. And it was written, Because, like, why, so she killed her husband, right? She murdered Mm -hmm. a couple of nursing students, and then she decided to transition to baby murdering. And then she was like, I'm actually fine, but I'm going to start reading misery books and then become obsessed with, like, this other guy that has no connection to my sort of former life. Like, what, why, what are the motivations? Like, you can't just placate the viewer with a blanket, like, well, she's obviously insane. Like, what, I think what's going on? It could have been a Munchausen's by proxy situation if they didn't muddle it up. It would make more sense if... She went from baby murder at the hospital, got fired, and then went straight to Paul because she needs someone to like get attention by proxy. Hold over it, right? Yeah, like that could have been that could have been interesting. Uh, but she doesn't make Paul sick, she lets Paul heal until and then makes him sick, and then makes him sick. Like, I'm just that's not what a Munchausen by proxy, but I think she does make him sick. I think we're supposed to. Um, think that she fucked. Do something. No, that she fucked with the brakes in his car. No kidding. That's how she knew where she he was. Oh. And uh, the article about her husband is about her his car crashing. So I think. That's Ooh, a lot. Wow, are you smart or what? You're like a film critic. Wow, I'm like, yeah, I'm a movie reviewer. Follow me. Um, follow my for more hot takes as I work for the New York Times. Um, 
Yeah, but Annie, <clears throat> I mean, Munchausen by proxy is terrifying and super interesting, and it Ooh. has been portrayed on screen in ways that made me so uncomfortable. Like, did you watch the, I think I've asked you this before, but the Hulu series? We, yeah, we've talked about this. I, like, actually the- couldn't watch it because it was too real. Like, it was, like, too intense, but... I don't know. I feel like Annie is sort of made a joke of, but Kathy Bates is like pushing yeah. back against the script and the like characterization and making it more sinister of a character and more serious of a character because like, okay, she loves dating shows. She's fat, so she eats Cheetos. Who doesn't? She loves little ceramic <sighs> animals, but she also has this like dark side. It's just such a not interesting way to write a woman. But she's I like, think, I'm yeah, actually that- going to do it myself. <laughs> Right, I'm going to do all the work because I'm a wonderful person, but a, like, talented person. But, I, yeah, I think uh, it, she could have been completely ridiculous and not menacing whatsoever because, like, what is, yeah, what is the character on paper? But, like, a fat woman with ceramic animals um, who's obsessed with romance novels? Yeah, there's, like, no, like, nuance to that. Um, but, like, her... Like, the way that her line deliveries, the faces that she makes, like, her, I don't know, like, her ability to switch from one emotion to another so like quickly so is quickly. so yeah. terrifying. Yeah, she goes from, like, being, like, an elated child to, like, this menacing monster so quickly. Um, yeah, it, like, gives me goosebumps. She's so good. Did but, you ever read this book? No, I never read it. I, like, I don't, I don't. I mean, usually, yeah, like, books are better than movies. Uh, Everyone says that all the time. But uh, I don't always agree. Come for me, okay? Uh, So this role was offered to Angelica Houston and Bette Midler, but both of them turned it down. Midler said it was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what it would be like if it was Bette Midler. If it was Angelica Houston, it would be scary as fuck, too. But Bette Midler, I don't know, it would have been wild. But uh, I guess Kathy Bates was relatively unknown at the time. And she did, yeah, I was trying to say, this is like her breakout role. And I also yeah. like, I appreciate Kathy Bates as like her ability to just be like, I don't give a fuck what, like, I, I'm not, I, you don't, in the 90s, you didn't think that I look like someone who should be in movies, but I'm a dude anyway. Yeah, so. seriously. And she's done it all. She's like, she's been in sitcom. She was on The Office. She's in American Horror Story, is still working well into her. Like, she's going to be, she's in her 70s now. Yeah, so. she's 73 now. Wild. And she'll just like do it all for the paycheck, baby. I respect that. She was in Bad Santa, too. I'm like, what? How like it's just like she can be in these like shitty terrible movies or like the very end of a sitcom and still be like a respected actor. Not a lot of people can do that. No. Anyway. Um, yeah. This is a Kathy Bates podcast. She's in Titanic. Titanic. Great job. Best character in the movie. Yeah, I think. Just like the pig, the whole like pig parallel is so obvious and just like so silly and goofy. And uh, I just don't understand why Stephen King hates fat women so much. Fat people. Uh, Stephen King just hates women women in general. general. But especially fat fat women, fat people. Um, I, yeah, like the, so she gets murdered by a pig. Her pig is her 
like best friend and saved her life and she named him misery something that she's obsessed with um and then he forces he like shoves some of the burnt pages of the book in her mouth and tells her to eat it um when she dies she falls on top of him and he's like oh she's so heavy yeah exactly um yeah, and then her, like, weight is also used as, I think, like, a way to explain how she's able to move a full-grown man around, because usually men, women are petite and dainty and can't, like, lift a man up off the ground. I don't know. So, it's just very, like, it's just, like, a weird, it's a weird choice to be, like, she's fat and disgusting, guys, and he would never love her because she's gross. I wish I knew... I want to read what, how the way that Stephen King described her. And I was trying to look at the differences between the book and the movie because I want to, like, I just want to know, like, what he said. Yeah. Men, like, writing female characters is laughable enough most of the time, but I just wanted to be like, and she was a fat, disgusting pig. But. I'm not really anyway. willing to read what he wrote. I think he's a bad man. I just want to know. I just want to, like, read a couple lines how he did it. But So what's up with uh, Paul Sheldon not reading the weather report before he dives into, like, presumably a drive from Colorado to New York City? Like, huh? Well, that's also another reason why I think she fucked with the brakes, because it wasn't snowing that hard when he went off the cliff. Like, the, dry, the road conditions are bad, and he's in an old-ass Mustang, but, um, yeah, he should have been able to drive just fine. I don't know. The lodge was open, right? Um, apparently Misery the Pig was actually named Misery. Aww. The sow. She was cute. I don't like the word sow, do you? No. It's the O-W sound at the end. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I I feel like, I wonder what, uh, because they made up, um, the character of Buster wasn't in the novel. It was the state trooper instead. So I'm assuming that Virginia also wasn't in the novel. And she's like a female character I can root for. She's like funny. She's sexy. She's old. You I know, it. I love her that they have their little like jackets that they wear. They both have their little same jacket they wear. They hang it on the coat rack. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Buster's... A great character, and Virginia is a great compliment. I do wish she wasn't sort of like his deputy slash secretary, but I think she pushes back on her gender role enough that they're mm-hmm. like you're. You have to be very uh, endeared to her and endeared Definitely. to them in general. And he, she isn't like he's not telling her what to do, and she's like, "Yeah, okay, honey, sure, whatever." She's, she's like, like, "I hate no, you, stupid idiot! <laughs> like your desk is a mess. Like, like get your get shit it together, together right? Yeah." Uh, yeah, the, um, the FBI connection is confusing, like, none of this is really that realistic, like, I think that any FBI officer would be like, oh yeah, somebody, like, crowbar. This is clearly a crowbar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And And funnily enough, we found a crowbar 20 feet from the scene. Wow, crazy. I'm not a big fan of how Buster goes out either. I think that was sort of cheap. If you ask me. Yeah. And then you think, you know, Virginia, is she the sheriff now? That's that's yes. the novel I want to read. In my heart and soul. And why does, like, what does, what makes Paul valuable? Like, the sort of reclamation of his life and his career and, like, Annie, he sort of 
you know, it's that classic thing of, like, characters that are female-moving, characters that are male-forward in their plot and their development. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, in a strange way, Annie helped me because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to break away from misery or whatever without her. And it's like, okay, well, she died. Uh, She needed psychological help. Yeah, (laughs) like she suffered too. Like, even though I feel like there was no room for nuance of like what was occurring in Annie's mind and you know how her mental health was deteriorating, the more Paul like stayed with her, and then Paul gets to reclaim his life and have a like successful writing career and be the author he always wanted to be. And she dies by pig, so I'm not a fan. Death by pig, yeah. I, uh, I wish Paul died instead of Buster um, because Buster was a valuable part of the community. Um, I feel like it's also just another, like, Stephen King writing himself into the book. He, like, thinks he's the most famous writer ever and hates when ugly women come up to him and are like, I love you so much. Like, that's just what this feels like. Um, Gross. Yeah. How many of his works feature a... Man that is a writer. So definitely The Shining. All of them. All of them. Isn't Secret Window a Stephen King joint? Yeah. Is it Secret Window? Yeah, I think it is. With uh, Johnny Depp. Yes. The adaptation. Uh, it, that one of them grows up to be a writer. Blonde Whoever wig. James McAvoy plays. Are we um, just letting Stephen King get away with being this person? Is he dead toxic. yet? I'm not. I will fight anyone on the street. Tell me you like Stephen King. You're yeah. You fuck know, you. You Se- can like what you like. I'm not going to come for you. But like maybe investigate. Seventy four years Everyone's old. Everyone's got flaws. In Portland, Maine, he's ruining you know the city I wanted to move to temporarily. Uh, Carrie. Who's obsessed with Maine? Carrie. Carrie. Just another woman whose period. Made her crazy. Periods be making bitches crazy. Blood? You bleed? You bleed blood? How dare you? Yeah, I guess Annie was Uh, probably just on her period, right? (laughs) She's going through menopause. Because old old ladies. I think uh, Stephen King has problems with indigenous people, too. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, oh, yeah. So there's one part where Annie says the native miners. I forget which she which mine she's referring to, but uh, she that's the story of why she hobbles his legs, because when it, she calls them native, native miners would try to steal the diamonds that, you know, their labor produced um, the managers. I don't know. The surveyors would uh, hobble their legs so they could still work. Because she says that's like throwing away a Corvette that has a busted sprocket or something. I don't know. Um, so you're like, she referring to Native Indigenous people as Utility like cars only. and machinery yeah, instead exactly. of as people. Um, and that, yeah, they're just labor and not people. So, gross. Yeah, and uh, there's, at the lodge, the Silver Creek Lodge, there's definitely some indigenous, um, like, appropriated motifs there, Uh, and then I think they actually do acknowledge the tribe in the credits of the movie, where they shot, which was in Nevada, but I don't know, um, like, what that was like, or what that sort of 
coordination was like, but I'm betting mm. no one got paid for the use of their land. Yeah, definitely not. Um, Def not, dude. All the people in this movie are white. That's it. Yeah, I'm uh, sure it's set in Maine. I don't. Where is it supposed to be? Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. There are black and brown people and indigenous people in Colorado. It is a tiny cast, but again, I think we say this all the time. Like, how does this movie change if Paul is not a cishet white man and Annie is not a cishet white woman? Like, this these dynamics could have existed, like, between any genders or, like, race slash ethnicities. It's just so tired to, like, especially to prop up, like you said, the sort of like, mythical figure of the white male, like, literary genius mm-hmm. in a movie when it could have been, like, the genders could have been reversed. I think it would have been a different dynamic, but, like, but can't why... Can't they both be women? I think why that'd can't be more they both be women? Why does Annie have to be motivated by... It's almost like, she's, like, infants? a maternal figure. Yeah, like... She's, she's mom and... I don't know. She's mom. She's like, like what mom. are what are our three? She's not a slut. She's the mom. She's, a She's in love wife. with him, yeah. but it's in a very childlike way. So yeah, I don't know. And then also, she t- her... even calls him a baby. So it's so weird. Her religious yeah. leanings are like half baked and <laughs> like unclear. It's so you know? creepy. That like creepy. It. I don't like it. I don't like her house. It's scary. If I had a nice. <laughs> house like that i totally wouldn't bring people in and murder them i would just like chill out and read books and not bother anyone uh maybe not the mystery books her like peter pan collars like i don't know i don't know i do not i would wear her her like other i would hang out with her pig i'd wear her flannel shirts yeah a couple of her her dating shows turtleneck under the flannel with like the corduroy gaucho pants and boots i think some of her outfits are really good yeah but when they put her in like the like floral dresses the costuming is like half there um i mean buster and virginia's costuming impeccable perfect no complaints Uh, i love yeah paul just is like sweaty and a slang all the time um boring yeah. Lauren Bacall, I can't really remember what she was wearing at any time. It was film. like 90s boring New York beige. blazer and like gold earrings, like big gold earrings. Yeah. I love a pair of gold earrings, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Because they like, yeah, they just like, Annie has to be frumpy. She's frumpy, guys, because he would never, if she was like even remotely hot, he would be super into being. Yeah, taken so she has to be like hostage. anti-sexual and she is not allowed to like be in. I guess that's a like making her religious is a way to like strip her of her sexuality because not only is she fat, not only is she wearing turtlenecks, but also she loves God. Like, whoa, that is not a sexual object in the least. Get her out of like, here. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, justice for Kathy Bates. She's doing fine, but she deserves more recognition. Yeah, and she has so much range, and now I'm just like, you can do another series of American Horror Story, but not if you don't want to, Kathy. Stop doing it if you're over it. Don't do it if you don't. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Um, 
I yeah. What's she up to now? What's her next role? The Miracle Club. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is in post production. Well, good for her, I guess. Huh. I don't know. Is yeah, James, more American. James Con is like dead, right? No, I think he's still alive. What? Why? Um. Look at that. Yeah, she's like, we'll do whatever she's got to do. I'm trying to find something fun. A fact. Um. Yeah. Did we say it before? James Conn voted for Trump. That disgusting asshole. Yes. He's been married like a hundred times. Um, like, chill out. Why do you have to get married every time, you know? Oh, she directed some episodes of Six Feet Under. Didn't know that. And the TV movie Fargo. No kidding. Something called Have Mercy. Yeah, look at her go. Okay, sorry, only four times. Um, she also goes by Bobo Bates. Um, are we talking about two different things? We're talking about, I'm talking about Kathy Bates. Oh, I'm talking Who about James talking Con. About? <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Let's all call calling him Bobo. Bobo Con. She's a cancer. Me too. Oh, my God. When's her birthday? You guys are weepy, weepy cancer girls. I'm in Cancer Leo cusp. Okay, she's June 28th, so she's... Cancer Gemini cusp. Mm-hmm. Wow. You... Do I know what any of it means? No. I'm starting to learn more, but... Um, anyway. There was some... Because our... The podcast Instagram follows, like... I followed, a, like, astrology meme, because it's always fun to post those, when they have, like, Capricorn cancer stuff. And one of them was, like... Uh, water, moon, fire, sun, and like the it was like somebody like smoking, saying I don't care, and then the other one was like I'm calm, like being all calm. Like, that feels that's too close to the truth. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, what else? This is kind of a shorty too because I didn't read anything because I no. possibly have COVID and it was Christmas. And it was Christmas. Um, Happy yeah, my birthday, still here. Jesus! Happy birthday, Satan. Uh, there's a good article about like the monstrous feminine and Annie's portrayal um, as like a threat to male dominance um, and the patriarchy called Operation Hobble, Masculine Fear versus Feminine Monstrosity and Misery by Harriet Stiley. Stiley. Nice. Um, which is good. And I think we should probably start putting our um, shit in the show notes. I don't know how to do that. Does but anyone I'll care? Really okay, know. we'll figure it I out. We'll know. figure it out. We'll cite our sources. I don't know. But anyway, it was for the horror homeroom. So. All right. Know. All right. So uh, we got to get off this call and figure out what we're recording What's next? next week. Uh, but until then, um, stay sexy and don't Wait, get Wait, we didn't fuck anything. Just kidding. <laughs> Did you hear me? The wrong podcast. Stay sexy. <laughs> And TM, TM. Just kidding. Don't. No, don't murder babies. Uh, I would Stay like... ugly, get fucked. That's it. Stay That's ugly and get fucked. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, oh, so man. definitely fuck, like, misogyny and fat phobia. Fat phobia. It's so bad. Fuck Stephen King. What a dickhead. Fuck Stephen King. We fuck need a... James Caan. We need a break um, from Stephen King. Fuck, yeah, the patriarchy, uh, fuck uh, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the idea that being um, powerful and still feminine is threatening to men. Um, and uh, make sure Buster and Virginia, you fuck each other in a nice way. We love you. In a nice way. Wow. So and what fuck is... each other in a nice way. As yeah. Always. Did, what's our son off? Stay ugly and get fucked. <laughs> Stay ugly, get fucked. (laughs) Bye. Bye.